to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hi there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I'm your host, Oliver Banks, and I'm proud to be your guide, showing you the way to successful retail transformation through the medium of this podcast, as well as as a consultant and as a coach, giving you the confidence and capability to land major change. This one is episode 153. Thank you very much for tuning in today. The history of retail is rich with stories and examples which still have huge relevance today and tomorrow arguably as well. If we rewind the clock a couple of thousand years back to Roman times, retail was very different. It was based around markets and the rich would send their slaves to do the shopping to save time and hassle, which is funny because there is a definite circular aspect there because it is similar to e-commerce store fulfillment models that we have today. I'm thinking like Instacart. Now, I'm not condoning slavery, of course not. But at the very same time, if we look at the benefits of what those customers were trying to do back then, and what customers like you and I are trying to do right now, save time, save hassle, it's very similar, right? It's just we do do it in an ethical way now, of course. Slightly more recently, but still absolutely ages ago, medieval times often had fairs, and in particular seasonal fairs, where once a year a certain group of merchants would come and set up a seasonal market, shall we say. Now, with our current trends around pop-up retail, it wouldn't be too hard to imagine a seasonal pop-up calendar and cycle starting to quickly gain traction with customers that enjoy the newness of pop-up, but with the familiarity of a repeat custom as well. If we jump in our time machine and fast forward again a little bit more, it would be a commonplace thing to have shopkeepers living above the store. Now, I'm not sure if today's CEOs and founders of large retail brands would live above a supermarket or a department store or even a fulfillment centre, But the essence is still relevant. Convenience and a hands-on approach to the operation are important so that the leaders are intimately familiar with the details of their business and of their customers as well. And there are retail legends too that have much to teach us. From Harry Gordon Selfridge, who coined phrases such as, the customer is always right, or so many shopping days until Christmas, which I'm sure we've all heard of. Or whether it be the likes of John and Jesse Boot, who grew a pharmacy giant by deploying a discount model, essentially. Or from Jack Cohen building Tesco, or Sam Walton building Walmart. Or more recently, the likes of Jeff Bezos building Amazon, and Jack Ma building Alibaba. And I'm sure we have future retail legends walking among us right now, listening to the podcast, of course, because why wouldn't you? (laughs) That are going to be building the future 
retail giants. So I do think retail history is fascinating, and I really enjoyed my conversation with Graham Salt in the previous episode, episode 152. And there we were talking about learning from retail history. And I wanted to have this episode to reflect and add some additions to that conversation to help you really apply the great learnings that we do have from retail history into your current transformation plans to really help drive you to success. Show notes from today are at obandco.uk slash 153. And whilst you are over at the show notes, why not sign up for a copy of the Retail Transformation Briefing? This is a weekly newsletter that comes out every single week, funnily enough, giving you the headlines from around the world of retail transformation. Which retailers are trying new experiments? Which are deploying major transformation projects and programs? And what are the insights that are showing us how the retail market is evolving? If you want to keep your finger on the pulse of retail transformation, like I say, sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. You can do that at the show notes, obandco.uk slash 153. Now, in the last episode with Graham Salt, we highlighted as, frankly, a bit of a random example, the case of the Umbrella Shop, a type of retail store that you don't really see very many of nowadays. Certainly not on a math scale, but of course, I'm sure there are some fantastic independent retailers around the world that do specialise in selling umbrellas. So I wanted to dive back into that umbrella shop for just a moment. And it doesn't necessarily need to be an umbrella shop, but it could easily be any niche retailer from the past. So whether it's a, a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, or maybe a haberdasher's, a draper's, a fishmonger's, a bookseller, a wicker worker, a blacksmith, or even a gunsmith. Some of these still exist today, but far, far fewer than they used to be. But I want to reflect, given all of these different types of niche retailers, and of course there were plenty of others as well, why were they great retailers back in the olden times? And if we can identify why there were great retailers back then, it will help us identify the lessons and the trends that we can take into the current and future world of retail as well. Now, these niche retailers were great because they really specialized in their product. It's probably pretty obvious. They had deep expertise, real product knowledge about what they were selling or the service that they were providing. And customers would know this. It was blatantly obvious. It was their reason for being, right? So customers would walk through their door with a very specific mission that they knew that particular retailer could fulfill. And as such, they quickly grew the trust from their customers, their consumers. That coupled with the fact that there were fewer competitors in that same niche would really help out those retailers because they were the only umbrella shop in town. They were the only blacksmith or whatever in the village, etc. And of course, customers couldn't and wouldn't travel quite as far as we do today to go to, let's say, a retail destination in air quotes there. But these niche retailers really knew how to support their customers with that specific mission in mind. But they offered a great range of products 
and relevant services as well. Whether it's around repairs to help customers extend the life of their favorite product, whether it's around product personalization and tailoring, these sort of bolt-on services really drew customers in and grew that loyalty. Products may in fact be manufactured on site from real experts that knew how to work the tools. That craftsmanship was a huge part of the niche retail experience of yesteryear. And actually, these niche retailers had a great CRM. It's just, it wasn't a digital CRM. It was a written record of a customer's order history that may be there in a a load of index cards or filing cabinets or even the owner's mind, right? And actually, that brings us on to the owners themselves who cared deeply and really took the time to know the customers. They were much more front and center as an independent retailer than perhaps a big multinational retailer that we have today. And as such, there was a a real set of unique products that you couldn't buy elsewhere because there weren't many other competitors. Plus, you had that craftsmanship element. So these were great retailers that were specialists, were experts, that cared about customers and really understood their customers, as well as offering a great set of bolt-on services and unique products. But if we fast forward to today, why don't we see more umbrella stores or any other niche retailer? Well, many of these products have become a standardized commodity. And by that, I mean they are manufactured and sold en masse. And as they have become mass manufactured, they've been consolidated in department stores or in clothing stores or even in supermarkets, right? And as such, An umbrella as a product has lost its distinction. It has become just another product that you buy from store X. And having lost its distinction, I think any of these products have actually lost gravitas in a customer's mind. How often do you see an inside out umbrella discarded on the side of a street? A little too often. And I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have seen that rewinding the clock back to retail days gone by. But in many ways, this is symbolic of the problem of consumerism, in my opinion. We do have a throwaway culture, which of course does help the retail market because it drives new sales, but it definitely does not help the environment from a sustainability perspective. It's become easier to just throw away your umbrella and buy a new one because it's easier, cheaper and quicker to do that. But there are still opportunities that we can learn by looking back at these niche stores. The expert knowledge is, of course, a huge part of it. You can't be an expert in 10,000 different products, but I think sometimes customers expect people to be. But what would happen if you were? Imagine how you could advise customers be it in the store or be it online or be it through other channels as well, customer service centers, phone, chatbots and chat boxes, etc. The opportunity to really tailor a product and personalize a product is again a great learning from these niche retailers. When you have a product that perhaps is monogrammed with your initials or is tailored to your specific size, you care about it a lot more because It is yours. There is no other product like it. And if a customer cares about their product a little bit more, then that, again, will help the environment from a sustainability perspective 
albeit it's not going to help your retail sales. So I think there is a massive contradiction going on here in terms of this repair versus revenue model and life cycle of a product. But I do think that repair element is going to be a huge piece as the sustainability challenge continues to bite. What would product repair look like in your retail operation right now? How could you get in and support customers with elongating the life of their last purchase? Thinking about what led to the decline of these niche stores, another opportunity is around how we can serve customers with a broader selection so that they do have one place to purchase. They don't have to dot around lots of different stores across town to go and buy all of these different products that they need to buy. Instead, their missions are collected into one. So what would that look like again for you? How could you sell bolt-on but still relevant products or services? And this is definitely a task that you could do as a bit of a workshop, almost as a bit of a team building workshop, perhaps, to go away and research what your business would have looked like 100 or 200 or 300 years ago. And what are the learnings we could take from back then? And what are the learnings that we could take from the time between then and now and what has happened to help us guide the future retail transformation? Now, I think there are three broad opportunities from looking back at the past that we've just highlighted just there. So firstly, trend extrapolation. Secondly, rediscovering past wonders. And thirdly, reminding ourselves of the fundamentals of retail. Let's dive into each of those. So firstly, trend extrapolation. By looking back, we can get data and we can see how different trends are going upwards or downwards or whatever that shape is. And that will help guide us towards what's going to happen in the future. Maybe you're looking at the use of cash and you can see cash declining over time. What does that mean for the future? Maybe you are looking at e-commerce and you're seeing e-commerce for your specific category, not as a whole. For your specific category, you're seeing e-commerce rise and rise. What does that mean for your particular niche, your particular business, your particular operating model? Maybe you're looking at the levels of automation or digitalization, or perhaps range. All of these things can help guide the way. And depending on what your particular niche is, what your particular focus is, these trends are going to be different. So work out what were the trends we could look at from the past and could extrapolate out to guide us to what the future has in store for us. So that's the first thing we can understand from looking back at retail history. The second thing is around rediscovering past wonders. And by this, I mean, there are certain things which have become lost in the passage of time, forgotten, overseen, overwritten. But if they were brought back, they could be a differentiator in today's current retail market. Now, maybe this is around tailoring a particular product or personalizing a particular product or the craftsmanship that goes into either curating a product range or designing a particular product. You know, we've touched on repair a couple of times, but maybe this is a past wonder that you can rediscover. How can you repair the products and give you a strong and real sustainable angle to guide your future business? You know, maybe you look back and think, Actually, how did we used to buy fruit and veg? 
They were all loose. They were all weighed. Customers would put them directly into the bag. Look what's happening now. How can you understand what the past used to work like to guide us into the future? So what has been forgotten collectively doesn't necessarily need to stay forgotten. It could be remembered, rediscovered for one company in particular, and that can carve out a great way of setting themselves apart. And then the third piece was around reminding ourselves of the fundamentals of retail. These are aspects that have always been true, that have always led to retail success. But perhaps we take them for granted. Perhaps they're not very sexy, or perhaps they're just really difficult to do. But we must continue to keep them on the radar. We must continue to drive towards them because aspects like expert knowledge about the product are still so important. Elements like great availability and great value are still hugely important in today's retail market. Look back at the past. Look back at how you can extrapolate the trends. Look back at how you can rediscover the past wonders and remind yourself of the fundamentals of retail. Because if you do all of these, you can truly learn from retail's history. In my conversation with Graham Salt last episode, we talked about that circularity aspect. And some of those examples I laid out right at the beginning show that circularity aspect coming around. It might be in a slightly different format. It's not going to be a carbon copy, but maybe this is the inspiration that you need to truly innovate and transform your business. And I truly believe if you learn the lessons from the past and you apply them in the right way, that could really shape a different transformation, a meaningful transformation and a transformation that is so relevant for you and for your business and for your niche and for your customers, rather than just following the pack and copying what your competitors are doing. Because are you really going to stand out if that's your strategy? Now, if you enjoyed this episode, then I've got a few more episodes, which I think would be great for you to listen to. Firstly, if you've not already listened to my conversation with Graham Salt in the last episode, do go and check that one out, episode 152. But then take a scroll back through the archives, back to episode 30 and 31. That's episode 30 and 31, where I was joined by Tim Mason, former deputy CEO at Tesco, and we discussed winning at Omnichannel Retail. And there are some great stories about the history of Tesco in there and some of the huge innovations that Tesco have led the way on that I think you might enjoy. And the rest of the conversation is great in there as well. And finally, check out episode 145, number 145. I discussed how we can overcome retail's big contradictions. And of course, contradictions was one of those elements that we touched on today with regard to the revenue versus repair challenge. So do go and check out my thoughts on retail's big contradictions there in episode 145. Now, if you cannot remember those episode numbers, I totally get it. Don't worry, I've got your back. Head over to the show notes, obandco.uk slash 153. Those are today's show notes and there you will find the links to those episodes. And as mentioned earlier, sign up for the retail transformation briefing as well. Thanks so much for listening. 
And remember, look, learn and apply some fantastic stories from retail's history. Bye.